checked in. Why is my chair shorter than yours? Is this something you do? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a, it's a power dynamic. Yeah, and I get it. All right. Um, Wait, don't start. I'm, I'll do the intro. You go ahead and do your thing. All right, today on the podcast, we have wandering aimlessly around my office, taking random pictures of shit. Um, co-founder of Go Fast, Don't Die, one of my best friends, travel partners, um, Brady McLean, brown belt in jiu-jitsu, um, um, purveyor of Everyday Parada. Everyday Parada. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I don't really, uh, I don't really know what we're going to do here. But we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about um, Go Fast, Don't Die. We'll probably talk about motorcycles. We'll probably talk about jujitsu. But first, we're going to talk about Onnit. Onnit is the sponsor of this podcast, exclusive sponsor of this podcast. This episode and all episodes of the Satsung Podcast are brought to you by Onnit. If you go to Onnit.com, you use code Satsung, you are going to get a discount at checkout. This right here, that's some Alpha Brain Black Label. It is a supercharged formula of the proprietary blend that Onnit has always made. It promotes mental processing, speed, laser focus for extreme productivity. Um, I don't do much without taking Alpha Brain. I'm going to take some right now as Brady gets comfortable. And, uh, yeah, kill this intro music. All right. We're <laughs> this motherfucker. Is now, but now you're far from your microphone because you're sitting on a booster. How's chair. that for a power dynamic? <laughs> Drew tried to sit me. Since you can't see on the, uh, this is a pretty second-rate podcast we're on here, <laughs> and we don't have cameras, so you can see what's going on. He tries to sit me in this teeny little chair while he sits up in his throne and looks down upon me. Dude. But I have rectified the situation. I got I'm down an inch. Okay. Um, I only have so many chairs, dude. You know. Um, no, I noticed that as well. Like I said, seventeen couches though. We're good on furniture. Hey, I took some of this Alpha Brain stuff too. Good. I have some um, strength, um, some strength and performance powder here as well. Um, and then I have a, a various amount of cannabis and psychedelics hidden throughout the office too. So whatever tickles your fancy. Dude, I brought some about. Anthem jerky as well. And we have some that's a Montana company. Is it now? Yeah. Anthem jerky. I'll check. I'll check them out. Um, dude. So we went to Texas for the second time together, and you spent your second Christmas with with the uh, Auntie C. Yeah. You got COVID again. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and it was right after we had just listened to the Joe Rogan podcast where Dr. What was the... McCullough. McCullough made me feel so good that I could not get it again. I thought I was I was just dead safe. Yeah, me too. Me so too. So I, I need to talk to that McCullough fella. So well, how I mean, did this happen? Well, dude, and that's kind of what sucks is, you know, there's these guys that... Um, are super, you know, him and uh, uh, Dr. Malone, who are like some of the most established people in virology, you're like, well, shit, dude, if I should listen to someone, it should be you. And he was really going all in on the can't, you can't get it twice. But in my head, I was like, well, I know a bunch of people that have had it twice. And Joe said that too. And then he's like, yeah, no, you have friends that think they've had it twice. Hmm. 
But no, you got it twice. I mean, I tested, I got sick twice, and I tested positive for it twice. I only lost my sense of taste and smell the first time, though. The second time, I didn't have any of that. Did it feel easier than the first time? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's getting weaker, dude. I think... uh, Or we're getting stronger. I've been licking doorknobs since March of 2020, man. Well, dude, I went into fall tour with that, that kind of mentality, right? That was like, you know... Uh, Matt, my manager, Matt was suggesting like, well, maybe you don't do the meet and greet. You know, I just want you to be comfortable. It's like, well, Greg's face to face with all these people and he's getting in the van. So like whatever he's exposed to, we're exposed to. We're in the suit, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just said, fuck it, dude. And didn't get sick on fall tour. Didn't get COVID when you and Parker got it. Um, but I think it's just, you know, I'm not a fucking doctor whatever, but it seems like it's getting weaker. And everyone that I've talked to that has had Omicron has been like, yeah, man, it was like a tough cold. I think this is the, I hope that culture changes a little bit after this to be like, let's talk about what our experience is with the people that we can talk to. Because mm-hmm. it's crazy how almost your and my experience when you talk to certain people, you're like, yeah, this was my experience. And they're like, you're wrong. Yeah. And you're like, well, no, I'm not wrong about what, you know, what I experienced. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong about how I'm interpreting it or where I drive, you know, where I find my answers. But, you know, if we if we could actually just say, like, well, this is what I got. And this and you just, you know, talk about what happened. Yeah. Like, oh, OK. Interesting. Well, that's how we learn. Because yeah. what I heard was yeah. it was way different. And what you hear is in in all these, you know, like going on tour which you go on tour to play music, and I've spent my last years just being on the road, totally. camping, checking things out. Yeah. Every different community that you enter, every different city you go to, things change completely. The, the, the perspective on the world is completely different. Yeah. And it's wild. And it's like, you're like, who's right? Are these guys ignorant and these guys are educated? You know, what's what? Anyway. Well, it's interesting how geographic location kind of dictates response. Because, like, um, like I told you, I was at a party this weekend uh, with some of Summer's friends that just moved here from Portland. And they were like, people here don't give a shit. No one wears masks, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, because we're talking about, like, the population of the city you just moved here from is three times the population of this entire state. So we're just not crammed together. And I also think there's just kind of, like, a general, you know, for, for me, um... I just have had so many weird experiences around the COVID thing. Like last July, for the 4th of July, my mom was here. And she was telling me that I needed to get vaccinated. And she like kind of broke down in tears. Like, I don't want anything to happen to you. And I was like, Mom, I'm not just telling you like I'm in good shape. I'm telling you that I get a full blood profile done every three months. That I take X amount of supplements a day. Like, by the data, dude, I'm going to kick the shit out of this thing if I get it. So I had kind of like a little celebration when I got it and sent my mom a video of me doing 100 pull-ups and was like, see. Uh, man, I'm just always like, you know, I I really, I, I, I'm a huge advocate for personal freedom. Like yes. you, you get to choose what yep. you do. And it's always interesting for me to witness people. You know, they're like, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's how I'm going to handle it. And I'm always like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. If that's like you get to do whatever you want to do. And that's just the thing that I believe in. You know, we've got a lot of options for how to, here we are talking about COVID man, but yeah, I just, I'm just a huge 
proponent of personal freedom. You you choose what you want to do. Yep. And then let's observe, and maybe it'll kill you. Yeah. And that'll suck. Mm-hmm. But I believe that you know you've got the right to do that. Yeah, that's kind of my whole thing too. Is once we saw the like <laughs> the small breakthrough cases, and then it was like, okay, well, it turns out being vaccinated doesn't prevent you from getting it at all. It's like, well, then we got to pull mandates because then because now it really is a. Uh, now it is a complete personal choice of risk assessment. And I prefer to do that sort of thinking for myself rather than having someone do it for me. Like, I just don't think we should bubble wrap the world. And yeah, like you said, I mean, like, yeah, I'm just a proponent of personal freedom. Like, I understand riding a motorcycle isn't for everyone. Getting punched in the face isn't for everyone. I like those things, and I accept the inherent risk therein, and I'm fully fine doing them because that's how I want to live my life. And... I think guys like you and I also fully accept of like, well, yeah, dude, if I crash a motorcycle and get hurt, that's part of the agreement that I made in getting on it. Buy the ticket, take the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Or like me getting super into leg locks over the past few years and then New Year's Day last year tearing every ligament but one of my knee. I was like, well, yeah, you'll have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a byproduct of, uh, of this thing that we're doing. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the wild thing around it is the inability to have a conversation with somebody who just, you know, maybe vehemently disagrees with you. Yeah. And I feel like maybe, I mean, there's just been, I, I try to stay off of it, but um, it feels like oh, there's so much information out there. You can just justify anything you want to do. You yeah. can go find the information to justify whatever stance you want to take. Yes. You can go find the information to justify. And that, you know, that transcends COVID. But, um, are a bit like there's been a lot of what feels like um evidence that that even the people who are in the know the authorities they're figuring it out too man and i feel for them because they're out here making statements trying to lead a a population who doesn't trust them and you know when you say something for certain and you didn't know for certain yeah you deserve to lose that trust yeah i just i texted jp the other day him and I were texting back and forth as we do, and I was like, man, I guess I would have just had so much more respect for the United States government and the CDC and all of these different organizations had they just been like, it's a brand new virus. We don't fucking know, man. Yeah. We'll, like, tell, you, we t- we'll tell you what we know as we learn it, but we don't know. Well, you know what was cool was when – so we – we were going hard, man, at the end of 2019 and into 2020. We went to Bali. We went to Thailand. I mean, I was in Thailand. The first time I heard of COVID, I was in Chiang Mai. And my mom called and was like, careful of that coronavirus. And I'm like, you know, I don't even, I can't even think about what. Well, you were probably like, oh, the swine flu or like those kind you of just things. Just like stuff goes around, totally, you know. Totally. Don't worry, mom. Yeah. You know, I, I do a lot of push-ups every day. Yeah. I'm going to be fine. And... And then it was actually funny because she told me, and then, you know, it's starting to come out on the news. People are starting to talk about it. Chiang Mai, obviously, was starting to talk about it because they had they just re- had reported cases there. I'm like, huh. And then we stayed at a, at a uh, hostel that night. And there's this dude right across from me. I'm in top bunk. And this is like, we bought the cheap one. So there's 16 of us in yeah, this place. Totally. So this dude across from me just <laughs> just losing his whole mind. And, you know, no one in there sleeping. This one dude who's, like, down on the bottom bunk over here, 
he puts in, he's got sandstorm going in his headphones loud enough for literally everyone else to hear. So all night it's just like. Yeah. And so he's chilling and we're all listening to like, you know, to distorted sandstorm and this guy losing his mind. I was like, well, whatever this dude's got, I for sure got. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. But you know, it wasn't, it wasn't mass panic yet. Airplane too. Yeah. On this fall tour when we were flying on the cruise, there's this overweight fella. Um, they were being very serious about the masks. And I had like switched seats because Greg had his own row. Mm-hmm. And we were up there and we had did, we had set up a little system where like uh, we had our snacks out and we wouldn't wear a mask. And then anytime someone would come by, we'd just take a nibble of the snack. I've broken my nose like three times. So the mask really does fuck with my ability to breathe. Yeah. Um, and I have a beard, so the mask really messes Same. with my ability to show people my beard. Yep. One, which is, you know, tied to my confidence. And uh, also, it's itchy. Yep. You know? Well, this dude was coughing his ass off and didn't have his mask on the whole time. And I almost became a mask tattler. Ooh. I almost stopped the stewardess and was like, hey, that guy over there? This guy, dude? Needs to knock it the fuck off. You shouldn't have let him on the plane. Like, yeah, it's such a catch-22, dude. He should have just probably not let himself on the plane. Yes, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, if you're that sick, you know you're going into and an enclosed place. This, I don't care if we're in a pandemic. This this is the this is the part of the issue is that, like, what happens, man, is we're just so dualist. Like, we just go – it's either – this says Brady and his world in this book in front of me. This yeah, is dude, fun. It's, it's for you. Matthew Brady, but let me just cut that off. Anyway – you know, it's like one or the other. It's like, hey, whether you're for, like, whether you're quote unquote for masks or against masks, which is a silly thing to me. Yeah. I am not, not I'm neither, I am neither for a mask or against a mask. Yeah. I am just about personal freedom about what, what you want yeah. to do. But I am also about a culture who cares about each other. And if I'm coughing my face off, losing my mind, I'm probably not getting on the plane because it's just not nice. Yeah, or you know? if I am, I'm fucking N95 and I'm gonna do everything. Yeah, because you're like, I have to go. I understand that this is rude. I'm, I'm actually, I'm considering the people around me, and I'm going to do everything I can to be considerate of them. Yeah, that's a good way to be. Yeah, what if we just did that? Mm-hmm. But what if we were just, you know, be well, consider- dude, because it gets stretched, it gets stretched thin. Where someone says, well, yeah, dude, if you care about people, you'll stay home. If yeah. You, if you care about people, yeah, you'll people, sacrifice your personal freedom. So this is what this is where I was getting to. Um, we went to we went to Thailand, came home from Thailand. We did the one moto show in Portland. I went and learned how to race some flat track down in Texas, and then we went to um, Mama Tried show in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. And that was when everything shut down. They shut down the uh, Pfizer Auditorium, or was it Pfizer Auditorium? That makes it sound very, uh, yeah. Anyway, no, Fiserv, that's what it was called. They shut that down. So they shut down the races, then they shut down the show. We like pulled together a parking lot show, parking lot parties, because, you know, we came out there to race and to sell merch. Like, it cost us money to get out there. So we all pulled together this big party and we all hung out anyway. And it was very fun, actually. Um, but then when we went home, that's when it got serious, you know, because mm-hmm. they shut everything down. Then everyone was like, whoa, 
maybe this is serious. If you can remember this time, I do. Where it and it, it had nothing to do with politics. No. It had you know it just wasn't about that. It was culture that was that was really pushing us. They they made the announcement and slowed the spread and did all that stuff, right? But regardless of what you thought about that, you were like, "Wow, this is scary. What can I do to help?" Total. And so people were like, "Hey, stay home." And pretty much everyone was like, "Okay, yeah, we'll stay home, yeah, because we want to we want to take care of each other." And then over time, it got to like, "Hey, too much is too much." You know what I mean? It just yeah. wasn't. But if if you remember that short time where businesses were shutting down, man, like you can't run a, a mom and pop shop that relies on foot traffic, relies on people coming yeah, in everyone's inside, when yeah. no one's coming in, you know? So, but people were, they had no control over that. So they started just caring about the things that needed caring about. Yeah. I remember in that time we started, a. uh, so there's a whole bunch of brands that work. So all of our stuff is fulfilled out of Sheridan, Wyoming. Yeah. And there's a bunch of brands that are fulfilled out of Sheridan, Wyoming. Well, everything kind of just stopped at that time. Because nobody was sure of anything. Yeah. Well, we started this, and, and and my big belief, man, is like brands, and by brands I mean, Satsongs a brand, mm-hmm. Go Fast Don't Die's brand, like, they 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 drive culture. Yeah. Those are the those are culture drivers heavily, and so we kind of combined efforts. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but we combined efforts of all the brands that were fulfilled out of that space. We all sold one shirt that said Helper. And it was a, a throwback to uh, um, Mr. Rogers. He said, look for the helpers. Anytime Dang. like things get gnarly, you know, look for the helpers. My, his mom said that. And I said, we just started this helper brand. And we're like, hey, let's just be there. Whoever needs help, whatever we can do, let's just create a culture where we're helping each other out. And it was just, you know, no one was focused on how to get theirs and what theirs were. They're, everyone was just like, okay, we're all going, we're all in trouble. Mm-hmm. Let's all be in trouble together and take really good care of each other. People were calling their parents. People were calling their friends that they hadn't talked to in a while. People were FaceTiming. They were taking more time to connect in a time where things were crazy. Dude, I remember going on hikes during that time. You know, I remember the day. So our last two shows, um, I've told this story on the podcast before, so I'll do the short version. You know, we played these two shows in Aspen, Colorado, and my manager's wife, is uh, works for a business management firm that works with like Bieber, Justin Timber, like some really huge acts. I've heard and of them. Yeah, they well they were um, kind of dismantling this European Bieber tour because of COVID. But we were at the time here in the states, it wasn't really, you know, it just wasn't really getting talked about. So we knew that was like, oh man, shit's going down, and that's happening over there. You know, that's in Europe, that's in Asia, yada yada. And then there was an epic powder day here. We got like 28 inches. And I remember getting a call from my manager, Matt, and he was just saying like, hey man, so Seattle just called. We're at 250 tickets sold. They're saying we're just not gonna sell any more tickets. We're just gonna cap the show at 250. Hey man, San Francisco called. We're at 300 tickets sold. We're gonna quit selling tickets. We're gonna cap the show at 300. So at 9 a.m. that morning, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So these shows will just be like cut in half. That's fine. Yeah. And then I remember standing in line with my buddy Spike, who actually taught me how to ice climb many, many years ago. So old climbing buddy. And we're kind of going back and forth. He works in the medical field. And we're going back and forth. And he goes, man, viruses don't just hang out in one country. Like, 
the amount of traffic between us and China that occurs every day from business, like, that shit's coming. And it's going to get to Red Lodge. It's going to get everywhere. But today, we have 28 inches of fresh snow. Today, these lifts are running, and we got 28 inches of fresh snow. So fuck everything. And I remember just being like, there was like, you know, probably 50-some people in the lift line. And the 20 people around us all were like, yeah. And it, like this like little war cry started. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, fuck everything. Dude. He tells this today. to everyone? He's- well, he was saying it to me. Oh. But everyone was kind of tuned in on our conversation. Yeah. yeah. And when he said that, like, yeah, dude, it's coming. You know, the whole world's about to change. But today, it's a powder day. Yeah. And the lifts are running, and we're fucking here. And we have skis on our feet. So let's fucking go. And, yeah, by the end of that day, the whole tour had been dismantled and all of the shows pulled and all of that. But I was in the best mood ever, and I was just like, yeah, that's actually fine. I kind of wanted to stay home anyway to hang out with my son, so whatever. And I really had no sort of, like, everyone kind of, I think especially artists, kind of went through this existential crisis of, like, what do you mean I can't tour? What do you mean I can't? I was like, dude, I haven't had a summer at home. In six fucking years. You know, I remember my buddy Nate goes, well, what are you going to do, man? I said, well, I'll ski, and then when the snow melts, we'll catch fish. That's my plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? I don't um, <clears throat> probably write some songs, but really I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm going to hang out with my son and my family and uh, catch some fish. Dude, I think everybody, certainly everybody listening to this podcast, which is what, a couple, couple million people? <laughs> Ten, probably. Ten million. We could change some things right now, (laughs) dude. Everybody should write down. We sent out an email about this. We're like, you know, we're just like, hey, remember this time when this hit? How things changed for you? Like the perspective shift. What priorities just swapped immediately? And which ones went to the top? And what was the mindset? And what were the takeaways from this short period of time? in history, which is going to be a very special one for you. I mean, we're going to talk about this whole thing about how this changed everything. Yeah. Just that's the way it's going to be. So you should just write down what was so important when everything went down, what became important, what was scary to lose, you know, what was exciting to have. And if we'd write that down and keep it because, man, we've I just feel like we've, like, all fallen off. You know, people are right back on their, like – For a minute, people were calling people they needed to settle things with. Yeah. You know, people were were asking if people had food. Mm-hmm. It, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. You know, people were getting on, on these FaceTime calls. I was doing like, you know, probably 10, 12 FaceTime calls a day when we were locked down. Just what was important to you at that time? And how do we preserve those things continuing to be important to you? Because I think for me, this is why I use psychedelics. Mm. Um, Because they always bring me back to that. They always zoom in on what's important. When I zoom in on what's important, I'm like, okay, it's family, friendship, health, and spirituality. Those are the things that matter. The rest are fun things that are like, that make the ride interesting. Yeah. But really it's love. That's it. it. It's the steak and the seasoning. Yeah. I've told you about steak and seasoning. <laughs> no. No? No. This is how I view this is how I view I mean, this works with this in this context, so I'll just tell it in this context. But 
those things that matter your family your spirituality your what what did you say love really love. i mean i mean yeah so so what matters that's the stake right yeah you can survive off that that's the thing that matters that's the thing that feeds you that's the nourishing thing that's the nutrient dense part of life and the rest is all seasoning and a lot of times we focus on the seasoning and leave the steak because the seasoning is it like if you actually take season this is why this analogy works great if you take seasoning you put it on your tongue it's sweet for just a second and then it's bitter yeah. and it's like oh too much but if you just had steak you and you also can't live off seasoning yeah it, you will die you know like this is not it doesn't it's not nutrient dense it can't sustain you steak can without the seasoning mm-hmm. the steak is the thing and and the best case scenario is steak and seasoning. That's you know, utopia. That's but great. But if you have to choose, but if you have to choose, the steak is a hundred percent every time. Too many of us are choosing the seasoning. Yeah. Well, the seasoning is what's sold. You know, the seasoning is what is marketed and exactly. shoved in our face every day. Exactly. This, this is the new seasoning you should try. Exactly. So we we swap from seasoning to seasoning to seasoning. And meanwhile, we're not being fed, so we're just running down, running down, running down. Yeah, dude, sometimes culture fucks me up. It fucks me right up, you know? Like, you're usually my go-to when culture's fucking me up. You're usually the person I text or call. You know, and I mean, for me, like, I just, uh, as I get older, I have a harder time hanging out with people that aren't as into steak as me, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Hanging out with seasoning people is pretty hard for me and very taxing. Because I want to, like, figure out a way to shake those people and be like, hey, so can I talk to you about the thing behind the thing that's behind the thing that you think isn't a thing? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, no, we're in a six-year-old's birthday party, so that's probably not the time. So I'm always torn with this thing of, like, you know, is it is it my job to make people hip to the steak, um, you know, or have this undying urge to put LSD in everybody's drink all the time or... I just, yeah, man, it kind of messes me up sometimes. That's like the whole purpose. The whole thing about starting Go Fast was to contribute to the like the the whole mission statement. If we you know we built out a mission statement before we had a mission statement, we just had a mission, and it was to contribute to the culture and community that inspired our existence. So the people that made it made us feel like, hey, we should start a brand that stands for something a little bit different than what you see. I saw an episode of Yellowstone, which is like the big Yellowstone. It seems like it's like taking over yeah. pop culture right now, which is cool and not cool at the same time for guys like up in Wyoming, Montana. Yeah. You're like, yeah, so you get it. But also, whoa, they cranked that up to 34, yeah. <laughs> you know. But there was a scene where, um, and I'm, I think I'm pretty early in it, but the uh, every time I bring up, I just started recently watching it, so. I, th- I think it's been out for years. Yeah, we just started watching it a few months ago. So there's a scene where there's a bunch of bikers, and they, like, cut the fence. Yeah. And they're just out, like, <laughs> literally just sitting out on their property. They just cut the fence arbitrarily and went out and, like, we're drinking and partying. We're, par- we're partying, man. And yeah. and they stop by and, like, hey, you cut our fence. It, it's not nice. You guys got to go. Over there is public property. This is not public property. That's why there's a fence. And they're, like, we don't care, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, dude, that's really not, like, 
that's not motorcycle culture and any culture that exists that is that shouldn't be attached to it like i would kick those people out faster than anyone you yeah. know because they're like making the people that i love yeah. and that the thing that i love look bad well it's yeah. like when someone's bullying somebody in a jiu-jitsu room you're like well i'll right I'll step in here to rectify this exactly this is not what this is about. this this ain't it yeah exactly exactly culture man i think if we would spend uh the the trouble with culture is you can't own it yeah and so you know if we'd if we'd spend half as much time working to create a culture as much as we work to push legislation legislation does like it's a standard and it's yeah. like hey that's illegal now like okay so i won't tell anyone now yeah you know yeah i can tell you i've lived a life where legislature hasn't affected me much in any way exactly you know? and that's how i mean you know just more and more people as, as they lose trust as they begin to make their own decisions for themselves but if we had like the trouble there is there's no culture in dark rooms yeah there's no culture where no one is seen where no one is talking no one's having these conversations mm -hmm. so culture is everything man it's, yeah well let's let's rewind then Let's <laughs> anyway, dude. Tell me about Matthew Brady and his world. That's a cool book. Yeah, those are some of my favorite books that we have stacked up, propping that microphone for you. Very professional studio. Um, yeah, I need to get another one of these, but no one ever does, especially since COVID. I have one of those cool extender podcasty arms, but I only have one of them because you're the you're only the second person that's ever done a podcast in person with me. The other one was Greg. Hmm. Um, but. How did you, uh, how did you start GoFast? Tell me how that came to be. So GoFast was it. It just existed. You know, I feel like everyone's got some small project, some little thing. We had a marketing agency, um, and GoFast Don't Die was something that was said. the 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 time that I remember it being said, it was said by my, uh, at the time, mother in law. And I was just like, man, this is this is how we roll. Like, it's go fast, don't die. It's not like be safe, get home on time. It's go fast, don't yeah. die. And we had a, we had a, so we had a logo made. We had a couple logos made, which our designer Dan Lee designed. Um, he's still with us. Like he still does all the designs that we do. And it just existed. It was on a t. Like we we shared a building with a another company that printed T-shirts and stored t-shirts they were tiny at the time had a one press you know six head yeah printer you know and we'd hang out at night and print shirts with them because they were like right across the way from us and so we got a shirt and we you know we got the logo and we got the shirt and we're like ah this is cool you know this is a fun idea and we liked riding motorcycles you know it was just but it was like a side project kind of deal and then a bunch of personal stuff went down a couple of divorces some some business partners falling out some my dog died i mean just a real country song of stuff went down and i just got on a bike as soon as um i remember dude i i signed some papers that i was pretty reluctant to sign for a really long time and dropped them off with like fully like on my bike it was i think it was in march in wyoming so it was like 30 degrees out Snow was still on the ground, and I dropped the papers off, and I just rode out and took off. And, you know, I think I went to Vegas first. Yeah, I did go to Vegas first. And I remember just meeting this dude, and at the time I was sort of like, 
I was like, this might kill me. You know, this is kind of scary for a Wyoming kid to just roll out on his bike by himself in the middle, just go see what the rest of the world's like. Because at the time, I was pretty much a Wyoming dude. You know, I didn't really roll out. I didn't explore other stuff. And um, anyway, man, started having conversations and started meeting people who were on that kind of same journey. And a lot of the people that are out on the road are out there for a reason. You know, they're out exploring for a reason. Not just people on motorcycles, people on mountain bikes, people who are driving rock climbers, rock climbers, man, van lifers. We're out there for a reason. You're either running for something, running from something, or pursuing something. A lot of times, both. And the stories actually get shared as opposed to. You know our our standard life where we ask talk we talk about the weather, we ask people how their recent thing is. You know we really don't get that deep, but people that are out on the road, people that are out running from running for, you know trying to figure it out, they actually want to get to the bottom of life. They want to have those conversations. So we started having those conversations, and we started realizing like man, there is this culture exists, and we want to feed it, and we want to grow it. And not all the toxicity of of old the old guard the dudes who are partying out in the field who cut the I don't I haven't seen a lot of that I know that some of that stuff exists you know like but that's pretty much just like that's like the standard biker way which you know you talk about Sturgis and and a lot of these things those guys aren't they aren't the they aren't that they aren't us um, it's like the biggest cosplay. Right on the planet, it should actually have the record for the biggest cosplay, because you know million people dress up like bikers for a yes. whole week. Yeah, lots of stockbrokers and insurance salesmen throw on their sleeveless shirt and their leather and, and go to rallies. Yeah, and I don't even you know like I, I hear that a lot. I don't even care what anybody does for a living. It's just yeah. like, and I don't even care. Dude, well, we're a, a lot of people tow their bikes to Sturgis to stand next to, you know, where it's like. I think the thing is, like, I told you before I got my bike from you that I was like, hey, man, there's this puzzle. Right. And I know this is a missing piece. Yep. And I've known this since I was about 13 years old. And the first thousand miles on that bike, dude, the amount of just like, like, not ugly crying, but they're just like tears rolling out of your eyes. Not, not even happy. Just like, yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yes, just kind of an, arri- an arrival. It's like <laughs> yeah. that, you know. I just I just did a puzzle with my mom, and I don't have the patience for puzzles. Yeah, me either, man. And it was I I actually put a thing up. I have a note somewhere that says lessons I learned doing puzzles with my mom, because I was doing them. I'm doing this. It's a big puzzle, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of tricky. She likes big bunch of pieces of puzzles. I just think a little bit. I smell like a man who exercised recently and didn't shower. <laughs> um. But we're doing this puzzle, and, like, there's one piece we couldn't find at the end of it. And so the satisfaction of finding that piece or a piece that you've just been waiting. And you know the picture's close, mm-hmm. but it's missing something. It's missing one, and then you can't find it. And you find it, and you put it there, and you're like, oh, you know. that That's what motor, the motorcycle felt like to you. Yes. It was like you had this puzzle. You know the picture you want, and this is a missing part of it. Now yeah. you got it. But you you can't just get the bike. Then you got to go ride it, and you got to go put but those. But again, that, yeah, that's like the steak and seasoning thing. I guess 
you know, as far as the cosplay thing, you see those guys and it's like, yeah, dude, I, we're not, I don't think we're doing the same thing. You know, like, think, what well, it, what it seems like is that you're here to party in the motorcycle and the leather jacket was a prerequisite to get into the right, party. So right, you, so exactly. So you those accoutrements. But I, you know, the, what I see, and this is a, another different part about Go Fast, Don't Die than just your standard biker culture thing, is when I see those people, I see them, they're on the, they're, they're on the path to trying to find something yes. that's missing, right? And they're going to go dress up the part. They're going to go pretend the part. But it's just like going to sleep, right? You pretend you're sleeping before you fall asleep. Yeah. You lay down, you close your eyes. This is just, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but somebody. It's a good was, analogy. Yeah. You pretend you go to sleep, right? The whole fake it till you make it thing, I'm kind of not into. I kind of hate that. Um, but the the sleep reference is like, yeah, because you want to become asleep. So first you have to like get in, the environment must be ready to be sleepy. Yeah. Right? yeah like, and all you know, yeah. all we really know is, well, I'm, probably should lay down you know i should probably close my eyes maybe it should be dark in here and i should probably be semi-comfortable so i can stay in one position okay (laughs) i'm ready take me (laughs) right and like that's how sleep works so i i think about that and i think about these guys who are out and the thing is man like we've had a ton of parties we've had a ton of we've had events we've had parties out in the desert we've had parties in sturgis we've had parties in bali and thailand and Mexico and huge parties and all the things that come with huge parties. Those are seasoning as it gets, man. They're sweet for a second and bitter. It's just like drinking. Yeah. You know, you drink a bunch and you think you're having a great time or you have like maybe you are having a great time. And then the next day you get the punishment of that. And the punishment is way more than a headache. It's it's saying I thought I was there. Now I'm not. Yep. That hurts, you know, Um and so when you have those parties, a lot of times you leave those parties kind of feeling empty, kind of feeling like you didn't really get it. And I think that we are all, we all really long for community. We all really long for culture, though, just a, a people that say, hey, that's, that's blue. That thing is blue. And they go, yeah, that is blue. You know, you know what else I noticed is this, right? We long for people who see the world similarly to us. And so that's what it began as motorcycles. You know, people who were, were riding these motorcycles, who were out on motorcycles, we often saw the world the same. And we were very different people from very different, like like you said, stockbrokers and some guys who were like just literally homeless living on their, on their motorcycle doing their thing because, you know, they have some trauma behind them. But they would find this common ground in motorcycles and they'd be like, and they could have a conversation. And if you think about the, that idea as a solution to the problems going on in our society, very different. They find a common ground. They look at each other and they find a similarity, not a difference. And they bond on the similarity and then explore the differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, instead from of the comfort of like, well, okay, we already have kind of established that. Exactly. Instead of finding the, the difference, book. instead of finding the difference and sticking right there. And that's the end yep. right now, man, that's how really how it feels a lot of times. I even walk in rooms, you know, and I'm like, you know, there's this, there's this very like red and blue, yep. red or blue, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I had a dream the other night and I feel like it was like God being like, hey, here's how you talk about politics to people. Cause I know you want to, um, but it's a delicate thing right now. It's a very hard thing to do. But I had a dream where like 
I was I was boxing and I kept punching myself in the face because like every punch I'd throw it would like catch here and it would like like I couldn't throw you don't have you don't have we don't have cameras in this second rate podcast studio which this studio like this office is very dope I took some photos Thank like you. you mentioned I'll post them because I want people to understand where we're at we're having this conversation it's a cool it's zone dude I very love cool it. it's very cool it's in Red Lodge Montana Montana sucks, dude. Totally sucks. Yeah. Like visiting below, visiting dude. super cool. Living here, yucky, dude. No way. It's like it's 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 like Wyoming. It's a little better than Wyoming, I would say, but Wyoming's very similar. It's just brutal. Mm-hmm. Idaho is super dope this time of year. Idaho's really nice. Idaho's really always nice. nice almost. Washington. Washington's cool. Yep. Yeah, it's just Montana, Wyoming, but anyway. Well, here's the thing, dude. I remember I, when I had Tim Kennedy on the podcast, it was before the election, you know, and I said, how the fuck did we get here, man? That our choices That's are- the Leche de Padre guy. Leche de Padre, dude. He'll make you drink the milk. Well, yeah. I, so I, I said, you know, how the hell do you think we got here? And he goes, well, we've done it to ourselves. We've let social media, which I think was actually intended as a cool way to just kind of show what you were up to, you know, in a world where... Um, it's hard to, you know, when you do actually have a hundred people that you care about to call all hundred of them and get the whole story. Yeah. You know, it started off as this thing of like, Oh shit, look, dude, Brady's in at the salt flats and he's riding under an airplane, standing on his bike. That's cool. I was wondering what Brady was up to. I haven't heard from him in a while. looks like he's having fun, you know, turned into like a, a political sounding board for people with really bad ideas. So the vibe is like my, my friend Mark Murphy, the lead singer of Wookie Foot, he, he said this really well. Um, there's an endorphin release when you stand up to a bully, right? Or you like state your truth yep. in the face of adversity. Like you're saying something I vehemently disagree with. There's an endorphin release that happens and I say, no, man, actually, this is what's right. Yeah. Well, the reason that endorphin release happens is because there's a lot of variables that I'm facing head on. Like, one of those variables is you might punch me in the face. We might end up in combat if I oppose what you're saying. Well, the internet took all the threats away, but the vibe is still the same. The feeling is still there when you, yeah, fuck right, you, you know. So that feeling, but it's is still it's there. cheap, dude. But it's real cheap. It's yeah. cheap. So you don't have, you don't pay anything for that. So I'll spend it infinitely. Yeah. Yuck, dude. That it is just garbage. You mm-hmm. know. Because yeah, it's like the equivalent. The 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 difference between like making sweet love to someone you're in love with and going to a strip club. Yeah, and they're getting their information. You know, we had we used to manage this thing called Upcycle, shared an Upcycle. So it was our small town, and you know, people could post stuff for sale on there. Well, I made a, I wanted to make a parody video on there because people would post their lost dog, like my dog is lost. Just every day, someone's dog's lost, and they're posting on there, and it was a great resource for that. But I swore, like, I wanted to make a video of like somebody sitting there shopping. And then the dog runs out of the door behind him and they turn around and look. And then they turn around, lost dog, instead of going to find their dog. And I feel yeah. like that's kind of how, <laughs> like, that's how people are getting their stuff. They're looking for whatever authority that they've deemed, like, here's where I get my information. And they're just going and, th- and punching people in the face with that information that they didn't find it. They got it from someone else. Yes. And and it's just... That's well, just... and we live the thing like... One of the more alarming things that I've ever heard was... Um, 
you know, the Joe Rogan had, um, I forget who he was, but he worked for Google, he worked for Facebook, and he was saying that like 80% of um, the political memes and things like that that are posted are posted from like Russian and Chinese like antagonists, right? And that the like, um, the thing that was really interesting to me was when he shared that um, of all of the like Native American pride Facebook groups, they determined that nine out of 10 of them were run by Russians that have like Christian, you know, right wing Christian groups like Oath Keepers and shit like that, that about 90 percent of them were also run by these bots. So it's this thing of like Whoa. not only are these algorithms curated to make you see whatever you want to see, but most of it is absolute bullshit. Like it's literally the goal here is to keep you pissed off and engaged. Can you imagine like, you know, hey, the people that we're trying to burn are burning themselves and we have open access to just chuck more on the fire. Mm -hmm. I just hit. So that's why I hate that for us because it's us, man. Like America is us. And what we're doing is we're punching our face, both arms. Yeah. So, yeah, so, totally. so back to the dream. Yeah. Right. The dream I would, I'd swing and, and my arm would stop here and it would just hit me in the face. My, I'd swing my other arm and it'd stop here and it just hit me in the face. And I'm like trying to fight, but like every single, if I swung on the left, it hit me in the face. I swung my right, it hit me in the face. And I woke up and I was like, this is how I talk about politics. Right arm, left arm, you know, right wing, left wing. And we are, we are swinging them both as hard as we can but we're only punching the face that we share the center mass is ours the left is connected to the right the right is connected to the left now the you know my right arm is my right arm my left arm is my left arm i'm not trying to make my right arm be my left arm i'm not trying to make my left arm be my right arm those things are silly this one exists this one exists for a reason for a good reason when they work together they work really really well when they work opposing, my whole body suffers. The whole thing suffers. Dude, well, here's something that's interesting. Um, my buddy Tim, Tim Snyder, who you met, that yeah. he's kind of opening for us indefinitely. He did all fall tour. He's doing all spring. Um, he was in Amsterdam. His, his lady was finishing, I believe, her doctorate at a school in Amsterdam. And he was like, you know, what's really interesting over there is that there's like seven political parties. So he's like, when you go to a dinner... Um, and people are talking about politics, it's very nuanced because there's so much overlap where it's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a member of this group, and we think like 80% of what you think except on these two things. So he was just like the he, – he kept referencing this dinner he was at where he's like, dude, there was like 10 of us, six different political parties being represented and the level of like respect and like, Oh yeah, no, I could meet you there. Like, you know, because, I agree with you there. Because there's so much common ground. Mm -hmm. Like it's in that, and that was the same thing with, with motorcycles. And now it's like, we, it's totally extended to, you know, like intentional travel almost, or just ex exploration. Yeah. Lots of skiers and snowboarders rock go fast gear. Exactly. And, and that's what we're finding, man, is like, it started with, motorcycles for us but our brand has always been about the why not the what well and something that you said that i've always found to be true you know i was a i was a dirtbag for many years the first like four or five years that i lived in red lodge that was it man i e explain what a dirtbag is 
I lived to ski powder and catch fish and climb rocks. Gosh, dirt bag. These poor guys. I love you guys. To, to the dirt bags out there. You're so cool. I want to give you a different name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a dirtbag. It's a, like, oh, I'm a real dirtbag. I'm like, huh? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, what, so what's funny about it is I just feel like, yeah, I think like the reason why the motorcycle was such a natural fit to me is, yeah, because my whole life has been about the why. And the pursuit of the thing that provides that feeling Um the I've been working on this climb for two months. This is my 75th attempt at this route. Yeah. But I got it today. Like that would make me high for weeks. Yeah. You know, um, and skiing powder. Same thing. I just, you know, I remember not not long before I started satsung, before I went to Nepal, you know, I remember telling Summer um, that I was that I was okay with being poor, you know, that I'd come to grips with that was probably going to be my reality. But as long as we lived here and I could climb and ski, yep. I thought everything would be all right. It was like, you know, I mean, if, if, if this is my life, because I had all of these experiences, right, of riding the ski lift, working on the ski hill with a fucking brain surgeon who was visiting yep. and going, hey, man, so what do you do? Yep. And I'm like, well, you're looking at it, bubs. You know, this is what I do yeah. all day, right. every day. I'm up here. Well, and that's what he's doing. Yeah. And he goes, man, I would trade lives with you in an instant. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, dude, but that money's got to be nice. That brain surgeon money's got to be nice. He goes, nah, you can have that too. Yep. I will swap with you in a second. It's a crazy thing, dude. It is. I mean, it really is. A cra- and this is the thing is you got to, to me, you almost have to go make money to be able to tell someone that because there are a lot of poor people who, you know, they sort of adopt this narrative and then, and, and the, the thing is really like they just don't care that much or whatever the thing is or they don't know the path so they condemn what they don't know which is Mm -hmm. something we should all stop doing we should go learn what we don't know and learn more about it we should know something really really well before we ever condemn it you know why but um the so it's funny man we've created sort of this whole brand architecture of like oh people didn't understand this idea you know somebody sells like originally, you know, I was out riding Harley and people, the sport bike guys would be like, you guys can't call yourselves fast. If you're riding a Harley, a Harley is not a fast bike. And, uh, crazy story. We, so we have a shirt that says fast as a feeling. We have like an answer. We have like a, a, you know what I mean? An answer for everything that the, the let go for dear life, you know, that that's my favorite of the taglines. None of that has nothing to do with motorcycles. You Mm -hmm. know, it has everything to do with what you were talking about. Your, your buddy was talking about like, hey, this virus is coming. This is going to happen. All this. But today we've got 22 inches of fresh powder. You know, let go of all that other stuff. And be here. Let right go now. of everything that has happened to you, that has happened in the past. Let go of everything that might happen in the future right now. You know, let go for dear life, man. It's We also have one that says risk happy. Like a lot of this stuff is not really your burly motorcycle. Hell yeah, brother. We actually don't put hell, hell, right? Like (laughs) I'm wearing this hoodie that says heck on wheels. We did that just to piss people off that were like, no, it's got to be hell. Like what's your, are you guys a bunch of Mormons? You know, like this is what we get all day long. 
And when people come hang out, you know, we do the Devilstone run and Devilstone run, people come hang out. And the first thing I say, like, hey, for all you guys standing around acting tough, if you were actually tough, you wouldn't act like that. So just drop that. We're going to take a weekend off of the tough guy routine. We're going to hug everybody. We're going to smile. We're going to enjoy each other's company. We're going to ride at night or ride during the day. We're going to party at night. We're going to eat breakfast together. This is going to, this is about community. This is about a culture that gets to celebrate with, you know, in and of itself. Like we get to share this weekend with each other separate from the rest of the world, separate from your, all your past, separate from all your futures. It's just this weekend, this weekend. It's really a special time. But anyway, the, so that the architecture and going back to what you were talking about, like um, this feeling, the fast as a feeling thing came from Jesse Combs talking at a, a party that we hosted. Um, Jesse Combs is a land speed record. She was a, a friend of the brand, friend of ours. Um, almost fought her boyfriend the first time I met him. It was pretty funny. He's a sweet boy. Uh, shout out Terry. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, Jesse was telling me the story just about like, you know, she was the fastest woman alive at the time. I think she was the fastest woman on two wheels, maybe or fastest woman on four wheels, but she was, she was looking for, she was working on becoming the fastest woman, just period. And she died, um, setting that record. So she beat the record, but she was talking about just, you know, when you're going, you're going faster than any woman has ever gone. Every mile per hour, you go over the thing when you're breaking the record you're literally going faster than any. And she's like, I just wish people could know what that feeling was like. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty crazy. You are the only person, you know, the only woman who knows that because you're the only one who's done it, obviously, by virtue of you being the, the holder. And then there's another lady at the same party who comes up. She's a mother of five. And she tells me, she's like, hey, uh, whatever you guys got planned today, I'm all in. I spend my whole year being a mom, doing all these things. Um, today... I'm all about it. Just sign me up for whatever events you guys are putting on. So we had like mini bike races mm -hmm. and she's just go, I'll never forget this. Like she's just going, just pinning this Coleman mini bike, which those bikes are a blast, but just terrible to ride. There's no suspension. Yeah. And she's just pinning it towards this optional ramp on the course. You do not have to hit this ramp. She's hitting it. She's like, she said, she's going for everything today. And I was like, she's going to crash. This is going to be bad. And she hits it, and she's probably going 13 miles an hour, you know, but she's going as fast as she's ever felt in her life. Mm -hmm. And that's where the whole, that's where fast as a feeling comes from. And, and, and for some people, they're climbing, and it, they're not moving hardly at all. Yeah. But they're living, the whole idea of go fast and don't die, they're living that fast, whatever that fast is for them. Yeah, and that, that thing keeps progressing, too, you know. Like, I think of, you know, in the 90s to be a pro skier, you had to be willing to, to ride something very steep. Yeah. And then it was, you had to be willing to huck yourself off cliffs. And you weren't going to land it. You'd do like that weird side land. You'd be able to recover and yep. then finish the run. Yep. And now it's like, can you do a triple backflip off a cliff, land it, and go? But it's like, but the feeling's still the same. I would imagine that, you know, a guy like Sage Catabriga isn't going to um, get his kicks by skiing headwaters. Like I get my kicks skiing for him. He's like that feeling for me to get that feeling. I've right. just progressed to a skill level where it needs to be an eight foot wide shoot down the face of an Alaskan peak. But the feeling is the same. Exactly. And you just have to go for You know, their ceilings are in different places. Yeah. We talk about that a lot with jujitsu. And I think that that's really good. I just actually was referencing you. I was talking to my friend Cameron 
who's probably the best brown belt I've ever encountered. He's a brown belt under Tanner Rice. Um, super just drenched in competition experience. It hurts a little bit, but not not that much. <laughs> he's he's um, but only in the gi. I'll say that. Um, but his he his thing is that very systematic could run through an IBJJF tournament because he understands right. the game. Right. But he was saying like, yeah, man, I feel like there's so many. Is this Cameron? He just moved here from California about a year and a half ago. Moved to Red Lodge? Uh, Billings. Billings. Oh, okay. Um, but he was saying like, yeah, dude, I don't think I want a black belt because the amount of black belts that there are that are not world-class black belts is crazy to me. Where I'm like, well, you're as good as any black belt that I've ever rolled with, Tanner. So like, your your ceiling for black belt is I need to win brown belt masters worlds and right, pans, right. and then I can say, okay, I'm ready for my black belt. Where for me, or like we always talk about, I think that's what makes Will so special is he has that sixth sense of he knows what your ceiling is. Yeah. And then when you have reached your ceiling, then he goes, okay, I'm gonna give you this black belt, and now you have a new ceiling. Um. And I, I think that's just the nature of anything. Like my first day on the bike, I, re- I remember being shocked going 45 at how chill it was. When I was like, oh, I, f- I thought this would feel faster because if you look at the ground while you're driving a truck going 45, you look down and you go, yeah, man, I'm, this is fast. So I just assumed being out there in the air exposed that that would feel faster than it was, and it wasn't. And then I hit 70 that day, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty quick. Um Within four days, I was like, okay, I'm going to hit on the Beartooth Pass. There's that stretch before Lake Fork. That is straight. It is mm-hmm. five miles of straight. I said, I'm going to go over 100 miles an hour on my bike because I need to know what that feels like. And I got there, and I said, nah, that's fast. That's fast. 80, great. Yeah. 90, I'm like, okay, we're pushing it. And I just, when you were talking about her going every one mile per hour over, I remember the five between 95 and 100. Of going, oh fuck, oh shit, here we go. This yeah. is fast. This yeah. is fucking fast, you know. And um, you know, to think of someone going any faster than 100 miles an hour is crazy. But not for someone that's trying to set a speed record. And even had, had you been riding a sport bike, like just different, dude. Does it feel fast in a plane when you're going 500 miles an hour? Totally. You know what I mean? I I just like uh, that Tesla going 70 felt pretty fast when we were flooring it. <laughs> it was fast yeah especially because you were driving and i was like we're going too fast dude can you drive do you drive well i we uh... so for anyone that hasn't driven a tesla the first time brady and i went to texas together um our friend brigham has one of the nicer teslas it's the 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 one that is the fastest car on the market yeah um and brigham is just and it's got an ipad for a for a screen yeah very cool yeah there's lots of features that i couldn't even get into um, just because I was like, I just need to focus on driving this thing. But I Elon shift. Yeah, right. Well, I said to Brigham before we left, I said, well, I'll be careful. And he goes, well, I mean, no, man, if you, you should drive it. You can't even crash him. My, uh, my, I, a friend I, of mine, a friend of mine, he had the Model X. And he's that's like, what, that's he's, what Brigham has. Yeah. He, he's like, no, the Model X is like a, the the big one. Yeah, it's like the SUV. Oh, okay. So Brigham has like the newer car that's faster than the Model X, but the Model X was faster than the cars when it came out. Anyway, he he, I'm in it and driving. And he's like running into that car. You know me, dude. Like I'm like 
I will run into that car, man. Like <laughs> I feel like I'm seat belted. I'm in this very fancy car. I'm probably pretty safe. And if you tell me to run in the car, and this is just going to be a part of the story we tell at the end, so I like floor it. Rah! Like well, you yeah, know, like, yeah. uh, and then it stops me and goes, doo, 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 doo. you're too close. And the car in front was pissed because they saw me in the rear view, like coming up on them. And then I like it. It stopped me before I get the thing. So anyway, you can't you can't even crash them. Yeah, I wasn't down to test that, but we did. On the way out to that ranch, I feel like at least five times. Go by, by the way, you you definitely can crash these. Please don't. Okay. I don't want to see like five people be like, I thought you couldn't even run into it. I don't know how it works. I just know it worked one time. My cousin ran it into a semi. Yeah, I'm sure there's a setting you got to get into on that. But yeah. That's the most fun I've ever had in a car. Because um, it goes zero to 60 as fast as you can push the pedal down. So Brady and I would come to a complete stop on this on this back ranch road. And floor it, and everything would fly in the back seat of the car, uh, including all of our internal organs. And I just couldn't get enough of it. I just thought that was the wildest thing. Because there's no revving up. There's no, like, the car catching up to the cylinder spinning. It's no, just all like, you hear is your you and your friend going, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Do it yeah. again. Do it again. And then driving that thing on the interstate, I had a couple instances where someone in a fucking charger or some sort of you know, caveman gas machine. Well, when we were driving on, where we were driving on that, uh, that, um, was it the, the driveway? Yeah. Into the, yes, whole compound. Compound. It was like, you know, it's a single lane, like kind of, that's why I was scared. Cause I was like, I don't know where we are. Yeah. We're about to crash in the middle of Texas. Yeah. Yeah. We could have had, we would have, hit Aubrey and said, Hey, we need a chopper, bud. Well, Elon probably would have showed up too. Yeah. Doesn't he live in, he lives out there in those Hills too. Yeah. He probably would have got a beep, beep, beep when your cars crashed and he yep. just showed up in a, in a space suit. electronic helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Austin's a weird place. Um, I feel really blessed. It, to me, it's interesting when I have friends that, um, how do I say this? When my friend is the person in the room that everyone wants the attention from, um, that was kind of the weird thing about the fit for service thing. Because I don't know, I don't, I don't know or see Aubrey in that regard. You know, him and I had one on one time together, and I got yeah. to see him. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I felt like after I was like sitting in that little, um, you know, that little like booth that he had before I started playing. After I was sitting over there, I felt like there was a shift in the way people interacted with me because they saw Aubrey and I like hugging on each other. Oh, yeah, totally. And, like no. busting balls. Yeah. And, like, oh, shit, they're friends. Right. You know, this isn't just some random guy. And he's like, well, yeah, what if I was just some random guy, though? Well, what was funny is that like I was with you and then you went up on stage. So it all you made sense. Like, well, some people knew who you were already. Mm -hmm. And then the people who didn't. All of a sudden, you made sense because they knew Satsang was playing at the thing. What didn't make sense was me. Yeah. And I walked over to the That's back. Brought, yeah. And people were like, well, this is a suspicious character. And I played into that very well. Yeah, I think so, too. Aubrey really got a kick out of you. Um, and I would just say Im immediately when someone was like, well, who's this? Like, well, this is Brady. I just don't go to Texas without him. People would be like, what do, what do you mean? Like, well, I mean exactly what I just said. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so far that's been true. I haven't taken a Texas trip without you since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what is, um, man, what's the future of go fast? I think I'm doing the devil stone run this year. I hope you are. I have no excuse not to. We had, we had David Ramirez last year. Yeah. And that was a good time, but. But uh, we taught him how to ride a motorcycle. Yeah, I already know how to do that, so that's good. You got that down. Yeah, man. I mean, Devilstone's one of them. I, I really want to do, you know, like we've we've sort of built this. There's this community. There's this, um, you know, tribe out there of people who have connected with the brand. And there's people that are loose. Um, and, n- you know, pursuing new people, It's it's sort of like you've got your – you've got your kind of core and my thing is i really would like to serve that core really well yes and we make cool apparel man we have cool sayings and we have stuff like oh, my, the hope always is that someone you know we buy a lot of silly stuff just in our culture we yeah. buy a lot of shirts that say adidas or they say whatever but they're not a they're not a thing that says what you're supposed to be doing and the idea with all of our stuff is that when you get it, when you know this shirt I'm wearing right now, it says the tribe grows on the back. Says make new old friends. Every shirt that we have is like a theme. It should be a thing that you say like, "Hey, this is an intention that I have." So that that is what that is. But I want to make the. My hope is to make that thing deeper, that relationship deeper with the people that are involved, and invite everyone to come on in. You know, to join this thing that we're doing and, and to be a part of this, it's a thing founded on common ground. And the, the common ground is we're all pursuing our life's best story. Yeah. And your life's best story might look a lot of different ways. So it's sort of, it's not getting away from motorcycles because we love motorcycles. That'll always be a thing. It's a good tool to find that thing too. But it's a just, it's sort of uh, getting more into, hey, we have a why that is behind a lot of people's what. And a lot of people focus on the what. They make apparel for the what. They make products for the what not for the why so you don't see a lot of jerseys like we have a jersey that says go outside a lot of jerseys you know they have a logo on them and some cool mighty Morphin power rangers graphics you know i want to do more uh, and like forget the apparel side i want to do more i want the the apparel to reflect the reality which is how it's always been how it needs to continue to be but i want to grow in depth so more Did I imagine an experience I had on your website where I had added too many things to my cart and a thing came up and told me that perhaps I might have been buying too much maybe yeah I feel like a thing came up and said consumerism yeah is a it's a trap yeah yep, that's exactly it yeah and I remember telling Matt that and he's like well what the fuck I'm like well I think that to me just as a consumer and fan of the brand i go well that makes me want to buy more because now i know that you don't just want my money you just want me to have stuff that means something to me that's it man this is the thing is is the 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 people who will kill your brand the fastest are the ones who are just buying it because it's a cool thing to do yeah that's not what our brand is about that's not yeah and i don't want to shit on them but you know i i feel like show your role used to have that thing like show your role was the the geese for the dudes that were like jiu-jitsu was their spiritual path well this is the the trouble is once something becomes cool yes the people who are you know quote unquote not cool the thing is and so it's like well, what do you do once that happens once something kind of becomes um you know it gets taken over by the guys like that like tap out yeah 
you know, when Tap Out started, they were in. They were about MMA. They were about yeah, the sport. Yeah, and only fighters wore Tap Out shit. R- right, right. And then, boom. Well, there's a company called American Fighter, and you can almost guarantee 99.9% yeah. of the time a dude wearing that isn't a fighter. Yeah, and if he is a fighter, he just like just doesn't have the the fashion sense, perhaps. Yeah. He's just like he somebody, just went to somebody the got it for him, and yeah. they just don't care. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know who the people who run that are, so I hate to like assume attention, but you were exactly right about the reality of it. The thing is, what's the follow-up look like? It's just the same as I said, you pretend you go to sleep before you go to sleep. You know, so if somebody's buying our stuff because they think the lifestyle looks cool, let's invite them to live it and invite them to become that thing because I've seen it happen for yep. hundreds of people since we started the brand, yep. maybe thousands of people, but hundreds of people that I'm aware of. They decided to get a motorcycle. Maybe motorcycle wasn't even actually their thing, but they were like, hey, I want to take a step. I, I want to take an intentional, brave step toward living my life's best story, and I see you guys on bikes, and I want to do that, and I want to join. I want to go be a part of that. They come to Devilstone. They come to Sturgis. They come to the desert. They come somewhere that we're out and, and doing things, or they don't worry about us as in the, the, the brand, the, the founders of the company. They worry about us as in the tribe, the people who are like them, who look for common ground and look for ways to go and pursue their life's best story. That's, man, like if I could do that. I think you are. I think you are. And there's, um, you know, I think one thing. Just just fanning those flames. You know, fanning the flames of people who are like, hey, there's a brand who's telling a story about living a really cool life. That's why we print like that's why we do all our stuff in Sheridan, Wyoming. That's why our mugs are made down the street. That's why our orders are fulfilled, you know, printed, fulfilled, warehouse, all the stuff right from there. They're designed here. Like, you know what I mean? We do everything we can in a way that tells a cool story behind all of the product before the product the ever gets this. The, the thing behind the thing, man. And, our, you know, we're at the point. There's a thing behind the thing behind the thing. You know, there's a, the reason that why we did it was to be a part and to make a culture better that we saw exist, to fan the flames already. And now it's an invitation to everybody to just, you don't have to buy anything from us, you know, and that's why we put consumerism as a trap, consume responsibly. You know, are you buying this because it's going to add to your life or you're buying this because you're trying to be like someone else? Yeah, well, I think there's, um, you know, I think the thing that you and I connected on, um, Last summer, I met Brady the night he got his brown belt. I had seen him before, but the night you got your brown belt, we rolled. Will kind of introduced him and did the thing Will does where he makes us both sound like we're way cooler than we are. Yeah. And then I invited you to come see us when we played up here in Red Lodge. But then you came up and— Yeah, Will said you had a world-class podcast, and then you invited me on it, and I was like, And and now you see— yeah. And now you see, no, I just, uh, you know, have access to really neat people to do the podcast. I don't even look at the numbers, dude. I don't know how many people listen to it. Well, um, anybody who listens to this, text me. <laughs> My numbers. <laughs> but, um, you know, I feel like one of the things that, that you and I connected on, I don't know if it was, was because of COVID or what, but in my time off, I had really become encompassed with the why. And thinking really intentionally about, um, you know, a huge part of it. Actually, I know where I think a lot of it happened. My my mother-in-law got cancer in, in 137 days from her finding out she had cancer. She passed. 
and I spent a lot of time with her during that. And um, I've had a lot of death in my life, but it was always really fast and sudden. But I got to have a lot of conversations with someone that knew they were dying, and I got to watch the whole process. And I spent a lot of time pondering my life and how I was living it. And what I kept coming back to was like, no, man, I'm, I'm living my life in a way that 16-year-old me would be freaking the fuck out that this was my life. Yeah. And I'm doing everything the way that I said I would do it, which was my way. I'm, I create art for a living. And when I'm not doing that, I'm pursuing things that make me feel good, um, things that keep me connected with the end in mind. You know, I think where you and I connect is that we're both trying to accrue stories. So when we're sitting in our chairs, we're the fucking coolest old men that anybody's ever met. Yeah. That to me is so important of just like, I don't want not, it's cliche to say, I don't want any regrets. It, not, I don't just not want regrets. I want to be like, no, that was the dopest movie that anyone's ever lived. And I was the main character. Um, so whenever I meet people like that, I always am just like, okay, cool. We have, we're instantly in. And then I remember that moment when we were in Texas, when me, you and Brigham were hanging out and you were just like, yeah, man, I just feel like anything that I would say would be completely understood. So it's making me not say a lot. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's just very clear that the three of us are on the same page about pretty much everything. And it's great when you like those people find you find those people when you decide to be those people. Yes. You know what I mean? So, and so, so many people, they, they look on the internet and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll direct message somebody they look up to. And that person doesn't direct message them back or doesn't give them the attention because they're getting 200 oh. messages a day or whatever. I'm guilty of that. Me too. Me too. It's yeah. very hard. If you're someone who's messaging drew 200 times a day, well, one time a day, realize that you're one of 200 realize that he wants to connect, but that's a very difficult way to be. If you would focus more on you becoming a person who would connect with Drew or would connect with whoever the Drew is in your scenario, way more likely that you will, you know, like I, I, I told someone, I was talking to um, Graham at Go Fast Campers, another Montana company. And I said, you know, I said, everybody wants to be on Rogan but what the hell are you doing with your life that you would even have to talk about if you actually had that chance, mm -hmm. right? Because I was going to text him, like, oh, you should, you know, get on Rogan's podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone says to me too. Like, yeah, yeah, so it's like, but it's like, it's like okay, it, the, here's the thing. And, you know, we talked about people who are trying to like sneak in, to like find yeah. him, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I can't imagine that for the dude, mm -mm. you know? He well, everyone you're meeting is under this pretense of like, are you trying to exactly that just sucks, you know, yeah, that well, sucks. I heard him on the phone, you know, uh, when I was with Justin one time, there was a fella down there that happened to be at the gun range at the same time as him. So they spent a few hours shooting together and then saw each other at a function soon after. And then Joe found out that this dude was telling people like, oh, yeah, Joe's one of my best friends. And if you invest in my company, I could get Joe to appear at this party. And that, like, that wasn't going to get back to Joe, you know. And it got back to Joe, and I, j I just heard Joe on the phone s screaming, like, people just see me as a fucking doorway, man. Yeah. You know, which, like, that's just such an icky feeling. Yeah, like, it's a, well, it's icky for Joe, and it's yeah. also just icky. Why would you want to be that person? Yeah. Here's the thing, man. It's like, people, like, they're like, oh, get on. It's like, man, 
I, I think of a guy like Joe Rogan and, um, and I think he doesn't have, he hardly has time for new friends. He's got a bunch of friends. He's got a bunch of friends. He's got a bunch of things he's interested in. He's pursuing, he's working, you know, he's working out, he's making videos, he's doing his stuff. Like he's doing all the stuff I'm doing, but with the attention of millions, Millions you know, and he's doing more than I'm doing. Like not all the stuff. And Rolling Stone writing articles about, canceling him i mean just insane right yeah. like his plate is <laughs> yeah. stacked for yeah. me to like to me to have the audacity to be like or for almost anyone on the planet earth to have the audacity to be like yeah he'd probably really benefit his life would be a lot better if he could hear the things that i had to say to him totally well Whoa. the thing i always come back to too i'm like yeah dude we need another guest that's a fucking bow hunter that's super into MMA and jujitsu. But but if you and look if you look at everyone who actually has made that connection, it wasn't because they were focused on getting on Rogan, right? It was it was because they were focused on doing the thing that they were doing to the standard, you know, to to such a standard that would make them interesting to be totally. there. So if people would like, you know, forget Rogan, just think about like whatever validation they're seeking, if they would just go earn it. Yeah. If they would spend more time earning it and less time pretending they've got it or less time, you know, just asking for it when it's not given, you know, like. Well, here's something that I found in my career. I feel like as an artist, there's all of these markers, you know, where you're like Red Rocks is a big marker, right? When are we going to get to play Red Rocks? Well, now it's looking like we're just going to play Red Rocks every summer, probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. As long as I'm playing music. And it's so funny, you know, when you look at something like getting on Rogan, it's like, dude, that's going to be two hours of your life. What fucking happens after, dude? What happens before? What, you know, like in the grand scheme of things, these markers, like it's not about these things. Like you're saying, it's the doing. It's not the, if you're doing it so you can do this one thing. Like, I guess I've just gotten so many opportunities that at one time were like, whoa, I'm going to man, if I could just do that, that would mean something. And then I worked hard enough that I got to do that thing, and I was just kind of like, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. But it was a day. Yeah. It was one day out of my life. And, and you stopped idolizing and started focusing on the work. And here's the thing, man, is is I think a lot of people might take from that message, or my fear would be that people would take them from that message, like, hey, your life's not interesting enough to, to go, you know, to have attention. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... If it, whoever's listening to this, consider yourself like, okay, here you are. Joe Rogan's in front of you guys. Got the mics on. Go ahead. Let's tell us about you. What are you going to say? Mm-hmm. What are you going to say that you're going to be stoked to say and stoked and be, and very proud to tell the world? And whatever you're doing, I promise you, you have something interesting that you can add to it. You have something that you could talk about and add value to everyone's lives who's listening. And we don't focus on that thing. We focus on the reward of that thing, the paycheck without the work. But if you, you know, if you're, you're a plumber, but you notice that, you know, the interesting thing about being a plumber is this. And what I started seeing was this was what was happening. And I started doing this thing a little bit differently because I really wanted to be in service of others. And that's, you know, I, I feel like that's all of our calling to be in service to others. Well, I somehow. just wonder as a culture, how many people do we need to hear it from that money isn't it? 
that success isn't it, that notoriety isn't it. How many of those stories do we need to hear? Because I've heard pretty much everyone that I look up to or have has said like, yeah, man, it's not what you think. You know, I was just watching this, this Mike Tyson interview from a couple years ago where he said, I wish that I could give the money and the fame that I had in my late 20s or in my early 20s to somebody so they could see how it made them feel. Because it doesn't make you feel like you think it's going to make you feel. It actually is really lonely. Yeah. Because now Mike Tyson isn't a sentient creature with opinions and thoughts and things. He is a caricature. He is an item. He is a good to be bartered with, bought, sold, traded. Well, that's what, you know, that's what we're we're witnessing with, you know, Joe in Austin. Him, the inability to just go like at your show. Have a fucking date or something. Not even, not even yeah. Joe, oh, just yes, like the, a sure. handful of people that you, you had a show in Austin. Well, for this person to show up involves all of this, you know, even like, even um, uh, Gordon showed up. And it's like, oh, well, like, let's make sure that, you know, people don't, but it's like, just don't bug people, man. Like, don't idolize well, people. Well, and here's, don't. here's what's weird, you know, is there was someone, and you know who I'm talking about, that was really adamant about wanting to meet him. Yeah. Why? Yeah, exactly. For what? Why? So that you can go back and say something about it? or you, lo- No, well, that's exactly what it is. I know, so but, I can but, say, but, yeah. it, but just like that's you're, – you're building this thing on like, yeah, I'm – you know, like it's all facade. And facade will not fill you up. The car will not fill you up. Like this is internal stuff you need to be working on. And if you'd focus more on working on the person that you want to be, that you want to – to show to the world rather than what the world might see that's all seasoning. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you'd focus on the steak, people might want to take a bite out of you. Totally. We'll do a small scale version of that. So (laughs) two funny things that are, that are absolutely hilarious. And the second one just fucking popped in my mind. So when I was going, I, this would have been like 2016. I was fucking grinding. 200 shows a year. I was on the er, 150 plus shows a year. I was on yeah. the road 200 days a year. Yeah. Playing for fucking nobody. Me and Carl's friend Pell worked at a Harley dealership um, outside the city. And we went. And I sat on, uh, I believe it was when they first dropped those that cool denim painted. 883s. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like the rust colored one and that yep. like soft yeah. matte black one. And I was sitting on it. I remember Carl took a picture. And I remember spending so much time staring at that picture. Like, fuck. I want a Sportster so bad. Yeah. Like, I know this is the bike. This is the bike that I want. And I also had this vision of a truck. So, some background is I had never owned a car that was younger than me. I had a string of cars that were all 1987. Uh, I had an 87 GMC Jimmy. I had two 87 uh, Subaru Wagoneers. And then I had a 1987 um, Pathfinder. I had an 87 Chevy Celebrity. Nice. It was a good year, dude. Um, Good year. But I remember, actually, a Facebook memory came up a while ago where I made a Facebook post that said, when your car is so old, the parts for it don't exist anymore. And then I wrote, hashtag poor people problems. Because I was pursuing music with such veracity that I just didn't care. And when my car broke down, I went, fuck, well, I don't have a car anymore. Um, But I had this vision of this truck, of a smaller bodied truck, blacked out, grill guard on it, lifted, 
with big tires, this little truck that I could take anywhere, anywhere I wanted in Montana. Um, well, you, two years ago, I the car I was driving broke, and I had accrued a credit score from you know, my old manager, Brian, being like, you have to have a credit card, dude. You need to start building credit for the, for the band. Yeah. So I would use, like, the credit card on gas and then pay it off at the end of the month. Use the credit card, you know. It wasn't really credit. I had the money set aside, and I would pay this thing. Well, I get my fucking credit pulled, and I have, like, a 780 credit score. And I had, like, $5,000 in savings. So I went to the dealership. I got this truck, and I managed to get them to finance a lift kit with these wheels that I wanted and the grill guard and the whole fucking nine, right? Well, the day I went and picked the truck up, I remember I took a video of them pulling it around, and I was like, wow, I fucking did it. Dream come true. My dream has come true. I worked hard enough. I got this truck. This is literally exactly as I saw it in my head for all these years. Here it is. And on the drive from Billings to Red Lodge at about Joliet, I turned the music off and I literally said out loud, it's a fucking truck, man. What is it doing right now? It is moving my body from point A to point B. Do you ever look at somebody's car and go, oh, I'll bet you that's this kind of guy. Yeah. I can tell by his truck that he's probably this kind of guy and he probably cares about this. No, dude, you go, there's a vehicle. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't hit me and I don't hit it. That's about as deep as it goes. Yeah. And I had this whole kind of meltdown where I was just like, oh, well, nothing really means much of anything, does it? Well, you don't do a jujitsu tournament for the trophy. Mm -hmm. You know, joy in the journey is the is the path, man. You know, the process is is what we own. The other stuff's just landmarks. Yeah. But you don't go on a trip to see the landmarks, you know? Yeah. Uh, and dude, like the everything. Uh, every stuff that I've ever got, and I've got a lot of stuff over the last however many years, I've seen some money, I've seen some stuff, I've seen less money, you know, like I've seen it come, I've seen it go, I've seen love, I've, like what you have and what you should give yourself permission to enjoy is the journey of all those things. Going out and finding out what was wrong, what was right, and taking the shot. The On Any Sunday email, we send an email every Sunday that's just like some, some brain food to chew on, some heart food to I chew enjoy on. Them. The one yesterday was it was a it was a Kierkegaard uh, piece and the, that dude is a dark dude. Um, but it was is basically saying like you'll regret it either way. You know, buy the truck, don't buy the truck, you'll regret it either way. Marry the lady, don't marry the lady, you'll regret it either way. And he's basically you know, he's just saying like regret is not really the thing about what you did or didn't do it's the way you look at what happened and you know what i said at the end of that that email was um we we sit and wait for perfection we wait for the perfect time we wait for the perfect condition to pull the trigger well the perfect condition as you and i both know doesn't exist for anything so we don't pull our triggers well time goes on Clocks tick and start living. Time goes on either way. So, and and to me, the perfect story is not absent of conflict. And the perfect story certainly is not absent of action. So the idea of just like moving, 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 
the idea of what would I do that would actually make me feel comfortable being on a podcast like Rogan? Pour into that. And then when you get to Rogan, which, you know, no one's going to, don't make that your North Star. But when you get to the proverbial Rogan, when you get to the truck, you'll go, oh, oh, I really just want to get back to the work that I was doing that got me here. <laughs> yeah, anyway. dude. You know, fall in love with the process well, and you if, win, dude. If you're doing your thing, if you're doing the actual thing that you were meant to do, you don't get the truck and go, well, that was a hell of a ride. I got this thing and now I guess I'm done doing doing my thing because I got this. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Now, here's something that's weird. The motorcycle didn't feel like that. Hmm. The motorcycle, I wasn't like, oh, it's a well, fucking bike. Well, the yeah, because it because you it was no it wasn't focused. Well, I'll answer this for you, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. But it wasn't about it being a it wasn't about a bike. It was about a type of like it was about the the image that you had for yourself. You probably bought a few hats that were similar. Yes, you know, you probably bought a few like, hey, I see who I want to become. And what he, and, he, and I'm, when I close my eyes and I look around the landscape, a motorcycle is part of that landscape. And right now it's not. And now it is. And that's different than like I can afford a nice truck, you know? Yeah. 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 There's, there's a whole culture around motorcycles. There's a whole that is a that is a vehicle that is far more when you look at someone that you go, they go, that person's probably like this. And our whole thing, dude, is changing what people see when they say that person's probably like this. Well, what's funny is, um, you know, I have the go fast, don't die decals on both sides of my bike. Uh huh. And it always is. Um, I told you about the experience that I had on the pass. Um, I had gone by this fella. There, there's two guys and a gal that were on bikes and they were going the speed limit, um, which is great. I think that. That's a good way to ride a motorcycle. I ride the pass, you know, I ride at least to the Wyoming border three times a week in the summer on my bike. You know, it's like, I'm going to take three hours and clear my head. I will be back. Mm -hmm. So I know that road so well, and I don't know if they were visiting or what, but long story short, as soon as we hit the straight after we passed like Silver Run, we hit that straight. And I passed them probably going 90, you know, like I just fucking throttled, zoomed by them because there was an oncoming car and was like, this is my window. I'm shooting yeah. it. And then when I got out to the Rock Creek pullout where I always stop, take a piss, take in the scenery, they pulled in there and this guy like takes his helmet off and I'm like, oh shit, this guy's going to be like, what the fuck? And he goes, hey, I've heard about you guys. And I said... <laughs> What do you mean? I, Because I, I have the grindhouse patch, so I thought maybe that's what he was talking about. He goes, yeah, I've heard about the go fast thing. I see your helmet, and then I saw your bike as you passed. Why do you guys go that fast? Can't you just enjoy your ride? And I ended up having like a 15, 20-minute conversation of like explaining to him like, oh, yeah, no, I wasn't going fast because I must go fast on my bike, and that's how I ride. I just know this road really well. I know what my destination is and I know what my time frame is to get there and back so my wife isn't upset. Yeah. Um, but we ended up having this 15, 20 minute conversation about why we both rode motorcycles. Common ground. Yeah. Common ground is passes a feeling, man. It's, it's, you know, why can't you just enjoy the ride? Like, I feel like I love that you guys talked because so many people look at what someone else is doing and go, why can't you just do it the way that I do it? Mm -hmm. And if they would talk about like, why can't, Hey, 
why can't you just do it the way I do it? And you go, well, I do it this way for these reasons. I go, oh, I understand. Yeah. I do it these this way for these reasons. And then we might consider each other's reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Yeah, and, and explaining to him too, you know, like, well, I, um, you know, this I'm not out for like this leisurely thing. Like when I put Skinner on my headphones and get on the bike, I, there I'm going to this special place where I'm not really like dictating. I'm very seldom looking down to see how fast I'm going or not going. I am riding the wave, man. I, yeah, the I'm, wave <laughs> exists. I'm riding it. I'm yeah. trying to ride it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a thing where I'm like working through these things and feelings and it's, this is what's so funny. So that this guy, I looked at you and go, I've heard about you go fast. Don't die guys. Why do you all go, all go so fast? And we probably <laughs> passed him at some point. You know, he's probably had some history with us at some point. Um, and other guys are like, you guys can't be fast cause you're on Harleys, you know? And literally the exact same thing that they're looking at. One guy goes, why do you go so crazy fast? And one mm-hmm. go, you couldn't possibly go fast if you wanted to. And it's just, it's just that whole thing is, is so, uh, it's so clear. Like if you're listening to what other people are saying about your journey, about what you're doing, you're going to slow down or speed up or do whatever. Yes. And if you would just ride the wave that you're on and find the feeling that you're looking for and ride that feeling, it might be cooler, you know? Well, guaranteed. And if we would all if we would all conversate about why we find that this is our lane, we would celebrate the differences. We'd find the common ground and we'd celebrate the differences instead of finding the differences. Well, and, and that perspective, there. too, is we only know what we know, right? You know, I rem- I, I've told you this, but the first time I ever... I didn't know Go Fast, Don't Die was a brand. I was riding, driving home from Colorado in my old tour van before I even had a trailer. And I was probably 10 miles outside Sheridan, going 80 miles an hour, and a group of three gentlemen, two of which had jackets that on the back said Go Fast, Don't Die, went ripping by me. And I remember literally just thinking in my head, like, well, I hope they don't die. You know, I didn't know that it was a brand. I didn't think like, oh, I should Google that or anything. I just was like, those guys were cool. Uh And that was a vibe. Those guys were riding very close to each other, going very fast. And all clearly were on the same page and in the same crew. Yeah. And I remember just thinking that was really cool. And I thought that that was a cool thing to have on a jacket while riding a motorcycle. Just like, wow, that's. That was cool. I yeah. just thought it was cool, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I and it's just so funny how life works. Of like, that moment stood out to me enough that later when we when we met, I was like, oh, well, I saw you on a motorcycle one time with a couple of your buddies, yeah. and yeah. the moment was so profound for me that it was another one of those things where I went, oh man, well, I really want a fucking motorcycle. Well, that's just this, so. This is the crazy thing for me. So the re the me meeting you. This is a story that I wanted to tell on this is I was getting my, so my sister is a massage therapist, big satsang uh, fan, huge satsang fan. And she was, she's a massage therapist. So she was giving me a massage and I was like, who is this playing? I, one of your songs was playing. And Mm -hmm. she's like, these guys are actually from Montana. I told you about these guys before. Uh, The, the, the singer does jujitsu. And I'm like, (laughs) no. I was like, if he's in Montana and he did jujitsu, I would know who he was. So he might like be one of these guys who pretends to do jujitsu, but you know, I was like, okay. And that was like, and that was kind of the end of it. And then the next time I heard you, you were actually in the gym and I met you and I'm like, oh dude, I, I heard about you. 
you're actually real. You're actually doing jujitsu at the grindhouse. This is a place where people actually do jujitsu. And at that point, like it was this validation of like, well, if you're, if the stories are true, if what they say about he, you is true. Yeah. And then the next thing I had to come and see you in your lane. And what was cool was, you know, I would and, and now we're friends and we're hanging out and we're doing podcasts and we're going to Texas and we're, and we're riding and exploring the world and doing their, doing our thing together. But it wasn't interesting. The thing that was interesting to you about GoFast was not that I was asking you to give me attention. It was that I was just doing my thing. I was in my lane. And the thing that is interesting to you about me is that you were doing jujitsu in, in your lane playing music. And I went and saw your saw your set and saw your saw the band. Now I've met the band. I've toured with the band. You know, it's just it's just pouring into to who you are, what your path is, your journey and and loving the process of that, finding peace in that process. Dude, yeah. it's so funny. So I just wrote this song. And the bridge to the song is joy in the journey, peace in the pro Yeah, I sent that to you. Yeah. And it's just so funny. Yeah. You say a lot of phrases where I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, I actually just wrote that down like a week ago. You know what's so cool is the first time where I heard that was uh, I remembered this the other day. I heard that from Vitor Belfort. Right. Pre-TRT or? <laughs> I, I don't remember. I'm sure it was like it was probably TRT Vitor. Because he's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm just enjoying the process. Like, yeah, you are. <laughs> you bet you are. You're I'm 20 years old again. You're an 18-year-old killer. Well, dude, I think that's a great place to end, and I'm going to pull up this picture of me sitting on that Sportster. I'm going to find that. Mm. But, well, to all of our listeners, if you check out Go Fast, Don't Die on Instagram, um, You'll be thoroughly inspired. You'll see some cool pictures of shit that looks crazy. Uh, but really, my favorite thing about um, GoFast and the reason uh, that I'm such an advocate for the brand is, you know, those Sunday emails, I look forward to that every Sunday. Um, and your post, the thing that you say, you know, we read a lot of the same shit. And I often will buy books. If, if you reference something I've never heard of, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to look up yeah. that thing and read that then. Um, but yeah, everybody check out GoFast, and if you're lucky enough, you might just catch Brady with us somewhere. I hope so, man. I, I uh, this uh, 2021 was full of a lot of things. One of the things was meeting you, us becoming friends, and I feel like, you know, we've been friends actually, like, eight months. Yeah. Right. I feel like I've known you since. My, my childhood you know what i mean Totes. we we get along well we don't agree on everything we agree a lot on a lot of things and we find common ground and discuss from there i feel like you've got a group of people that you're obviously leading that are looking to you and you're pursuing truth so anybody who is looking at drew i applaud you for for choosing good company <laughs> and i'll do my best to, to emulate that as well super grateful to be on the podcast man we should do it again because i had questions for you that i didn't get asked deal we'll do another one next time you come up all right all right love you dude all right y'all i hope you uh enjoyed that episode um yeah as i said before hedonna.com it's a new year it's a new you get your ass in the gym and get you some supplements that are going to help you maximize your time there maximize your growth it's not just about looking good naked you know it's a cool byproduct of 
of going to the gym all the time and supplementing your health, but it's surely not the reason. The reason should be that you pop out of bed every morning and feel fucking amazing. Because they can't, you can't put a price on that. You can't put a price on that. Um, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Next week, I'm going to drop a podcast. I um, just did some solo shows in California and then came home and went right into a cabin in the woods to make a new record. And I'm excited to talk about it um, and kind of fill you guys in on the new music situation. Um, so, yeah, I will record that tomorrow and we'll put it up next week. Um, I'm home for a few weeks until tour, so I love you, and uh, God bless y'all. Stay strong, drink water.